Okay, y'all, Ingram Smith here for the NC State preview version of the Nolcast. So Bud is down in Fort Myers uh, this weekend trying to help his community in whatever way. So it'll be me for today and in all likelihood will be me for the Instant Reaction podcast uh, tomorrow. Having some technical difficulties with my camera, if need be, we'll go uh, get a new one and uh, we'll have a normal instant reaction uh, set up for tomorrow evening and if it is a victorious one should be an awful lot of fun so Florida State comes into this game uh, four and one both teams haven't suffered their first loss of the year last uh, weekend with um, NC State losing on the road to Clemson and Florida State losing um, against Wake Forest I mean obviously <laughs> this is uh, has the potential to be a, a critical game in the ACC. Uh, the Atlantic is disproportionately talented when compared to the uh, trash bag coastal this year and uh, in theory if either of these teams wants uh, an outside shot at winning the Atlantic a win on Saturday night is um, is all but a must. So uh, as always we'll thank our friends at Tarpon Cellars makes the Nolcast possible. Coupon code 20% off uh, at tarpincellars.com. Thank you for their support, and thank you to the good people at Congruity. Matt Lewis and his team have been a fantastic and exceptional addition to the Nolcast as a business. have been a great addition to my business when it comes to assistance with payroll, and whether it be HR, payroll, or any of the other things uh, that are maybe keeping you and your business from running as optimized a uh, manner as possible, Please do keep our friends at Congruity in the back of your mind. And Matt Lewis, uh, as always, is someone that I'm more than happy to introduce you to uh, if you would prefer a third-party introduction. So we're going to start the conversation tonight with what it looks like when NC State has the ball. Uh, NC State led by a player at quarterback, O'Leary. I want to call him O'Leary. O'Leary, who was the uh, preseason player of the year, and uh, exceptionally highly thought of uh, by people on Sunday uh, coming into this year was has it been exactly the player that that people thought he was going to be and it's hard to talk about this um, in a manner since shoot this will be NC State's sixth game of the year but I still have a really hard time looking at this offense and figuring out exactly what it's going to be Uh, yes it has it's not the team on offense that we thought it was going to be. The statistics haven't been there from O'Leary um, or from Leary. Do I think that he's like completely fallen off? Uh, pretty skeptical to say that. So I think, you know, I, I think we'll get a pretty good idea Saturday as to what exactly uh, Devin Leary is, what it's going to look like uh, with him, and and how successful they're able to be. I've got to say, this offense has been pretty pedestrian so far. Uh, They've struggled to find their form. They've struggled to find a rhythm. Don't particularly scare you with what they do uh, running the ball. They will try to screen you to death. Uh, This is an underrated aspect, particularly of Fabian Lovett's game. You miss Fabian for numerous reasons, but he is uh, one of the better defensive tackles that I've seen recently as far as sniffing out a screen and not being, not allowing a, you know, overtly aggressive nature to you know, find you three false steps deep uh, before you realize what's going on. Uh, so they'll miss Fabian there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they do try to set up uh, all sorts of screens, whether they be middle screens or try to get you to flow left and right. And 
uh, work off some things with the wide receivers tied to it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Florida State responds in general to kind of the outside zone desire to stretch you and then stretch you again with some of the screen concepts they like to run. But in general, wide receivers are average. I think they're second in the country or third in the country when it comes to most drop passes. Uh, Daryl Jones is maybe somebody that I'll keep an eye on. He's a former uh, Maryland product out of the portal, but he's 6'3", 201 pounds. And if, if NC State does have a whole lot of explosiveness to it, then that'll probably be where it's coming from. It's not uh, necessarily a explosive offense in general. Uh, tight end Trent Penix is somebody that appears to be questionable. Uh, believe he was uh, had been pretty impactful last year against Florida State. Um, but look, Florida State's the third best team in the country when it comes to giving up plays of 30 yards or more. They've only given up three. Uh, I don't think that that is going to change a whole lot on Saturday night. If it does change, then Florida State has, uh, you know, more or less zero chance in this. But uh, you've got to continue to make this offense earn everything possible. Um, Red zone roulette is a term that is frequently used on NOLCAST and, of course, will be uh, applicable here as well. Uh, You love the fact that you're getting Jared Verse back. Uh, You think that this is a a game that's kind of tailor-made for him, his skill set, and the quarterback that he's facing. Uh, Leary is a very good player. He's not particularly mobile, and he doesn't particularly like uh, being moved off his spot. So I do like the matchup there. Look, Florida State has been outscored by NC State 82-17 to in the last eight games. And we are very, very hesitant uh, on this podcast to start reference stuff that happened, you know, six years ago, eight years ago, whatever. For the most part, it's meaningless. But you can't have that happen in this game. If if you if we kind of, you know, collectively walk outside in the first quarter and walk back in, all of a sudden it's a seventeen to three game or something like that in NC State's favor. Uh, I don't think Florida State has much of a shot at all. You've got to get through uh, the first period of this game, the first quarter or so get a feel for what it is and hopefully you're looking at a score that's like seven to six or something like that ultimately i think if florida state has a chance of winning it is a low scoring game and yeah we'll have to see as far as what the offense is uh this weekend it is nothing wildly special uh talented quarterback who hopefully doesn't get uh, his game kind of back on tracks but uh there's nothing you know, particularly unique or uh, really concerning, even with the pieces outside of Leary and how they necessarily um, try to use them. So uh, it'd just be interesting to see how Florida State matches up. NC State is the possessor of the eighth, excuse me, the fifth longest home winning streak, having won 13 straight games, uh, something for again for Florida State to have to uh, have to go up there and battle with we know that it's a a better atmosphere than that of what the broader college football uh, world understands North Carolina State to be but it'll be interesting to see how Florida State goes up and um, you know really takes on its first I don't know if you want to call it you know contentious or uh, or whatever it'll be a good atmosphere Florida State will be real home environment and Louisville was nice, y'all, but that stadium was, you know, 25,000 empty seats. And I, I just, you know, was it a challenge to go up there? Yes. But that challenge had a hell of a lot more due to the level of play that they were getting at a quarterback than necessarily fans, atmosphere, anything intimidating. So I, I really do think that this is Florida State's first real road challenge of 2022. And it'll be interesting to see 
how it plays out. I will say that there's nothing particularly special about NC State's offense. They do have a really good kicker. They've got one of the better kickers in program history, and they're fine letting him kick the ball, <laughs> you know, 41 yards and, and add points. What they're really fine is getting up by 10 points or so and then having a drive that takes, uh, you know, eight and a half minutes and they end up letting him kick a 41-yard field goal or something like that. You can't let this game get too far away from you. I'm not impressed by NC State's offense, but NC State does have the ability um, and the patience to melt eight and a half minutes away from you uh, if you're not if you're not careful. And uh, yeah, that drive may only end with three, but you know, again, they're going to melt seven, eight, nine minutes off the clock and are happy to uh, you know flip the ball to to Chris Dunn, who unfortunately I'm not trying to take a shot at a kid, but is pretty much everything that Florida State's kicker is not right now. He's consistent. He has a lot of confidence. He's one of the better players uh, at that position in program history, um, and he's kicking at home, which is a, a nice little thing uh, for some kickers. So before we transfer over, always going to thank our friends, at the legendary team of Chad and Shannon. You guys know the story here. It's been as good of a partnership as we ever could have hoped for, really as good of a partnership uh, that can be found in American sport podcasting. More than 480 Noelcast listeners have uh, either financed or refinanced uh, their home via the legendary team. 844-FSU-LOAN. Great guys, great team, exceptional people to work with. All right, so here is kind of the fun side of this matchup. Uh, When Florida State has the ball, uh, NC State will run, normally run kind of a 3-3-5 stack look. Occasionally it's a traditional 3-4, but I, I really wouldn't worry about I'd, I'd worry about the three, okay? Look at what they're doing with an odd man front and then work your way back from there. Uh, they've got a whole lot of kind of interchangeable pieces in this defense. Look, linebackers are linebackers. Peyton Wilson is an absolute linebacker. Drake Thomas, that's a linebacker. But give me a second and I'll give you a better idea as to what I'm talking about as far as the number of interchangeable pieces. To circle back to the defensive line. They've got some nice pieces up there. Obviously, you know, we're real familiar with one of them in Durden. I will point out, and I don't want to get too lost in like the minutia of uh, defensive strategy, but they do play with a three-man front. Frequently, you have uh, their two defensive tackles line up on what I grew up calling like the inside eye, but it's probably even a little bit more is probably even more pronounced than just inside eye. It is with a real uh, inside technique. This is referred to as 4-I, and the only reason I walk you this far into this conversation is because the 4-I technique is something that the Jazz has particularly struggled with. So you do have Robert Scott back for this game. Robert Scott's not 100%. Robert Scott at less than 100% is still much better uh, than some of the other options that we've seen out there uh, over the past two weeks. But just something to keep in mind. I don't know if it's just been the situation of the game. I don't know if it's been a confusion uh, with responsibility. But the 4-I, which, again, is the way that they line up. They're, uh, they have a nose tackle that is more or less head up on the center. And it's how they line up those two other tackles. And frequently, that's in a 4-I technique. And the 4-I look has given Jazz fits so far. So if that's what it is, need to have that in the back of your mind. 
there's there's kind of an interchangeable size uh, that I want to talk about, and then there's also some injuries uh, that we need to probably start the conversation with. Tyler Baker Williams is uh, perhaps their best defensive back, really loved by uh, Pro Football uh, PFF. If you care about their rankings, I believe he's either the best or second best defensive back uh, in the ACC. Uh, according to them, he was injured, missed the Clemson game. My understanding from having talked to people up there is that he's likely back for this game, but that is not uh, 100% done deal. Cyrus Fagan, again, a name that we're going to be familiar with here, was injured in the second quarter against Clemson, missed the rest of that game. I would label him as questionable at this point. I think Williams is more likely than Fagan. And then Derek Pitts is a uh, pretty impressive uh, they use him as a defensive back, played safety at West Virginia. He is out for the first half after um, being found guilty of targeting against Clemson. So those are three of their better players in the secondary that you'll know uh, you will be not having to face for at least the first half. Uh, at least two or three of those guys, in my opinion. Baker Williams will hear about Saturday morning and get a better feeling. Fagan, I guess, is not out, but my understanding is that I would be surprised uh, to see him play there. So that's what they're going to be missing. Florida State has been very explosive as an offense, leading the country in 38 plays that have gone for more than 20 yards. And if Florida State's going to have a chance in this game, uh, this trend is going to have to continue, and perhaps it's going to have to continue early when you look at some of the personnel that they're not going to have immediately. So, look, I don't think Florida State's going to be able to run the ball a whole lot here. Uh, nobody really has. They do some things with a counter uh, game that may uh, let uh, let Ward have a productive day. I'm, we'll have to see that before I can absolutely believe it. But there are some uh, schematic aspects about what Mike likes to do with an odd man front that could lead you to believe uh, that Treshawn could have a decent day. Again, that's something that I'm going to have to uh, see to believe. Uh, we talked about Robert Scott being back, what that does with the offensive line. Uh, we'll figure out <laughs> exactly what that looks like. Again, Robert Scott's not 100%, but Robert Scott not at 100% is significantly better than what you have otherwise. Also want to thank our friends at Charlie Park. Charlie Park is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar. Absolute fantastic place to go. I love it. Love taking clients or friends up there. Uh, on a Friday night uh, before a game and absolutely love the brunch that they put out on Sunday. Reservations are recommended. You can go to charlieparkrooftop.com to see more uh, about the restaurant, the location. Got some great drone shots up there to give you a feel for what it looks like. But Charlie Park is a fantastic partner for us and is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar, undoubtedly. Thank you for their support and uh, thank you for trying to make your way over there this weekend if you are in Tallahassee. So when you talk about NC State's defense, look, I do like their linebackers. Peyton Wilson's a, a former or a future Sunday player, great size. Uh, Drake Thomas, not quite as physically gifted as Wilson, but a really good player in his own right. Uh, they've got a backup linebacker by the name of Aristotle Bowles. Uh, I don't really know that he'll play a lot, but if another team has a kid named Aristotle and you don't think I'm going to mention him in the pregame preview, you're wrong, so uh, check that box there, Aristotle Bowles, NC State linebacker. Great name. What does strike me when I look at this defense is that it is very large, 
very lengthy, very multiple. I'm not telling you that they've got three linemen and then the other eight are completely interchangeable. Like I said, Wilson's a good linebacker. Uh, Thomas is as well. But I think you'll get with where I'm going here pretty quickly. Let me just read you some of the uh, physical dimensions of NC State's back eight. Aiden White, 6'1", 191. Uh, Shaheem Battle, 6'2", 198. Chase Hutley, 6'3", 212. Uh, Dreshawn Miller, 6'2", 192. Rakeem Asherb, 6'1", 191. Cyrus Fagan, 6'2", 202. Uh, the Pitts kid, who's out for targeting, 6'2", 198. Even Tyler Baker-Williams is 6'2", 200 pounds. They are all lengthy, long. Uh, they do a lot of interchangeable. Uh, they just use the flexibility that this size gives them. Well, They'll bring all eight. They'll drop all eight. Uh, Clemson is uh, a team that was successful against them to an extent. But they're also a team that had to just kick a bunch of field goals. And that obviously is not a luxury uh, that Florida State can have. This length and size that I talk about becomes even more impactful in the red zone. They're more than happy to play red zone roulette, uh, stretch out the field uh, with the players that they have, or rather not let the field be stretched out with the players that they have. And the length that they have uh, condenses a tight field all the more. So fascinated to see what uh, Florida State can do against uh, this defense, and I do think that if they're going to have big, explosive success, that it's probably going to have to come early. So uh, this brings us kind of to our prize picks segment here. So last week, I played a ticket of uh, five entries, and four of them were Florida State offensive plays on the over, okay? Uh, I hit three of the four of the Florida State-specific ones. I think the other one was a UNC over uh, at the quarterback position ended up winning the ticket uh, four out of five. Long story short, I won't be doing that this week. I struggle to find a whole lot of things that I love here from a Florida State perspective. I do like Jordan's fantasy score over. I don't love it, uh, but I do like it simply because I think you'll have a couple of nice little runs, but I don't think you'll have a ton of success running the ball consistently. I also think that Florida State's kickers and their uh, kicking woes make it all the more likely that Jordan gets a few more at-bats in the red zone. And um, when you when you know you can't kick, then you know you got to try to score six uh, whenever possible. And so Jordan Fantasy at uh, – let me just confirm this. Last week the numbers kind of moved around on me a little bit. So Jordan's fantasy score of 17.5 for prize picks, I do like that. That's not, um, relatively speaking, a whole lot of production. And, yeah, if you get a guy that, that, you know, needs to uh, throw the ball to be successful, also, you know, you can rack up some pretty decent little fantasy points on a two-point conversion as well. So I do like Jordan over the 17.5. Don't love it. If you want to play the under on something Florida State related and, and uh, feel fine doing it, I would look at Treshawn Ward under 10.5. If you look at where the direction of carries within the uh, kind of 10-yard line have gone, Treshawn Ward has not gotten a lot of them. And I don't think he'll get a whole lot uh, more than he has after putting the ball on the ground last weekend. So I, I think if Treshawn Ward's going to score a touchdown, it's going to have to be a run of 15 yards or more. Certainly hope that happens, 
but uh, if you wanted to play the Treshawn Ward under 10.5, I could certainly understand where you're coming from. I think I'm going to stay away from it just because I think uh, there's a chance that Florida State pops a big one uh, in the counter game, and uh, I kind of feel bad choosing any Florida State uh, offensive pick on the under. Remember, uh, as always, that the coupon code NOLCAST will get you your initial deposit match back. Again, that is coupon code NOLCAST at our friend's at Prize Picks, this has been a uh, fantastic partnership for us. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Had me watching more college football uh, than I have, <laughs> and uh, it's been fantastic. Again, you can place a very, you know, small uh, dollar figure uh, wagers. Have a fantastic time doing it, and for me, it's made nothing but uh, college football all the more enjoyable. Nolcast is the coupon code. Prize Picks is the uh, partnership and prizepicks.com is the website. I hate to say this. This feels lazy. I think I would pick Florida State if they had a kicker here. I really would. Uh, I, I know that that might be uh, misguided. and Maybe I'm just getting a little bit of the, the homerism coming through in me as we get closer to, to kickoff here. Uh, but I do like some of these matchups, and I do have a very legitimate question as to how successful NC State's going to be, particularly if they don't have a lot of success early uh, with some of their outside zone concepts and some of the things that they try to do to get a a defense running uh, east-west. So I am going to officially pick this as uh, NC State 24, Florida State 16. Uh, I think the kicking game uh, becomes an issue here. Uh, I do think this is a close game, kind of by default, as I'm not sure that either offense is really going to be able to light it up this weekend. But uh, this is the first game that I will pick against the Knolls. I will say that if Florida State wins this game, uh, it will be it will be beyond massive. It will be as hyperbolic as I have been all year. Uh, will Florida State be back in the sense that if you're, you know, in your mid-30s or late 30s uh, and they were, you know, one of the more dominant programs in the country growing up, will they be back if you're in your – you know, if you're in your, your late 20s to, like, the teams of 12, 13, 14. No, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. But if they win on Saturday, yeah, Florida State's back to being a real serious contender uh, in the ACC. I still think Atlantic uh, champion hat will be worn by Clemson ultimately. But you're starting to show the propensity of going on the road, getting major wins. Um, and, yeah, it would be absolutely massive. It would probably be a pretty fun instant reaction podcast as well. Like I said, I'll go to whatever electronic store is necessary, have this uh, issue with our camera resolved, and we'll be back for a instant reaction podcast come Saturday evening. But for now, this will be the game preview. Florida State travels to Raleigh to take on ranked NC State, and uh, we'll all look forward to it. Hope that I'm wrong on the prediction, and we'll talk again Saturday night.